Hello and welcome back to another episode of LMS Cast. My name is Chris Badgett, and today we have a special guest, John Shea from No Shame Income. How you doing, John? I'm doing awesome. How you doing? Good. John has been around the block for a while with online courses and hosted platforms and you know figuring out how to you know make money with online courses, how to build an email list with online courses, how to market online courses. Uh, I first came across John somewhere in the Udemy universe or in the Lifter universe. And uh, I could tell after talking with him that he's just been involved for a while. So he has a lot of insights to share with, with you all today. And we're going to kind of get into a little bit of the differences between uh, a hosted um, place to put your course or a course marketplace versus doing your own platform like you can do with Lift Your LMS or other tools. And really engage in the conversation, not from a one side is better than the other, uh, but really just get into the pros and cons of either. Because uh, both of us, like we have courses, we do courses in both ways. And there's, depending upon where you're at in your business or what's going on, it makes sense to post the course in either place or both places. There's some nuances to it all. And we're also going to get into some other interesting ways to monetize a free course. But first, John, thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Well, take us take us back to your, your origin story in terms of how did you get into online courses? What year was it and what was your first course? How did you foray into the world of, of all this? Yeah, I guess I'll, um, I'll kind of give like the short version of my story. I have a really long one if you go to my website. It's like a book. Um, but, but yeah, I, um, I basically got started with online marketing about six years ago. And initially it was kind of dabbling around that first year. I started sort of blogging, you know, learning from different people, trying to figure this stuff out. And then eventually I started my own podcast. So I did a lot of um, interviews where I'd go out and interview people, you know, same thing we're doing now. And um, did about, I don't know, maybe 80 of those. I got to interview a lot of people I was really looking up to. So I built a lot of relationships that way. And the reason I kind of started that in the first place was I was interested in so many different topics. And I felt like that was a way to kind of like harness that energy or that, you know, the shiny object syndrome, as people might call it. They're always interested in so many things they're being seen. You know, I just got an email today about how some guy's making $2 million with, you know, Shopify stores. And then it's like, oh man, that sounds cool, you know, and just one thing after another sort of coming at you. And I felt like with the interviews, I could be interested in what everybody's doing, but at the same time, you know, kind of harness that into one, one thing. So I did that for a long time and eventually formed a, um, a little SEO service with somebody that I'd interviewed through the relationship we had and um, got really interested in SEO. And basically what it kind of came down to was I was going out and I remember I actually um, had been following a guy who was doing similar stuff with interviews. Uh, this guy, Mike Thomas, he runs an interview show called Mike from Maine. And he does a lot of like product creation um, interviews. So people that create like internet marketing based products could be software or whatever it was. And he interviewed this one guy by the name of Vinny and Vinny had put out a product that I really liked, but the presentation of it was like really terrible. Like it just wasn't very good at all. Um, it was on this like old HTML website, like just didn't look very good. And the product itself was great, but <laughs> I remember the delivery of it was like these zip files with text files telling you to go to other places and open these other files and the images and everything was just such a mess. So I approached this guy, Vinny, and I said, man, this method's really cool, but why don't we take this and go put it on our own site? And at the time, I still was really, I, had, I knew what Udemy was. I had heard of it, but I 
had never really done anything with it. And initially, we spent weeks. I probably must have spent a good 40, 50 hours at the time um, using uh, Wishlist Member, which was one of the, in my opinion, probably one of the first to really do like the self-hosted sort of membership. Um, so I, I really learned how to use Wishlist Member. That was a huge learning curve. We went out and tried to relaunch the product as like version 2.0. And neither of us really had any real big like relationships. I mean, my email list was super small. It wasn't very targeted. <clears throat> so what ended up happening was it just kind of bombed and it was a learning experience. And I said to Vinny, I said, why don't we just take the course and we'll take the exact same thing I just helped you structure and I'll put it on Udemy. And with Udemy, you can actually split the revenue with someone um, pretty passively, like their system was designed for it. So we set it up with a 50-50 split. And um, I think to date, I mean, the course hasn't made anything crazy. I think it's like four or $500. But um, me and him kind of split ways and that course still will get sales here and there passively through Udemy's marketing. So for a while, I just kind of let it make sales. I eventually made a little podcasting course and I just kind of threw up some interviews I had already done in the past. Made a little bit more money. It was like 50, 60, maybe $100 a month. And then uh, November, I believe it was 2014, I was literally sitting at my job one day and I had this idea come up in my head. I'd been really working hard on um, building out what's called an Amazon uh, affiliate site where you sell products um, on your own website and redirect the visitors to Amazon to make the make that final purchase. And you earn a little commission, like a 4 or 5% commission. So I um, had been doing that and I had this full built out site. I had started having some success with it and I said, man... I could turn this into like a super awesome course. So I actually, um, I wrote up while I was at my job. I remember I just, I was kind of, I would slack off a lot at work and I sat there for three hours. I remember, and I wrote up the entire syllabus. It's like a six week syllabus. And that same weekend, that coming weekend, I just cranked for an entire Sunday and put all these videos out there. Um, got everything up on YouTube, like the following couple of days, got it approved. And the following month was November, um, or I think I did it right before like the Black Friday stuff really came in at the end of the month. And I made, uh, I think it was over $800 on Udemy. And I was like, oh my God, like this, there's really something here. Like this is, this is solid. So that was kind of what took it off for me. And um, what I eventually just started doing was anything that I learned, like even the simplest, smallest things, if I could turn it into a short course, um, something that I could teach someone else, then. I just started publishing courses on Udemy. Um, when Skillshare came about about a year and a half ago, I think it was, I was able to transition a lot of my courses over there and immediately was making around $200 a month. And that just kind of grew from there. Um, I now have, I think it'll be almost 32 or 33 courses on Udemy combined free and paid. I've got about four, almost 40,000 students on Udemy now. Um, it's obviously been about three years, a little over three years. And then on top of that, I, um, I now have over 90 courses on Skillshare and most of those are very short. That's kind of what they look for. You know, the 15 minute to uh, 30 minute courses, they're not really as picky about, um, their review process. So you can kind of throw whatever up there so long as it's not like, you know, you're actually teaching something. Um, so <laughs> a lot of the stuff I put on Skillshare would be like a brief tutorial or here are three awesome tools that help you, you know, do SEO or something like that. Like a lot of the courses are really simple. So I've been combining my efforts between Udemy and Skillshare. And now I'm actually really moving into um, trying to sell on my own website, which I know, you know, you wanted to talk about because that's obviously what you can do with tools like Lifter, LMS, and 
many, many other tools that are out there available today. So I've been starting to dabble into that and, you know, really start to get people coming in through my own blog and my own website and my own marketing efforts. So I'm not relying on these marketplaces so much these days. That's awesome. Well, that's quite the journey and, and quite the story. Um, I'm curious, before we get into kind of weighing the pros and cons to the different uh, ways to host your course and deliver the course, where does that come from in you, the, the desire to teach? Because I definitely see this in prolific online course creators. Like, you haven't made one course, you've made like 90 or whatever it is. Yeah, where, yeah. Where do, you, where do you think it comes from or do you not, is it just hard to explain? It is kind of hard to explain. You know, it's like... I never really thought of it as something like, Hey, I just really like want to do this. You know, it was kind of like, you know, I've had little things happen here and there along my internet journey where something might happen that just sort of triggers you. Like I have another example where one of the very first um, clients I got doing SEO marketing, you know, bringing on a local business to help them with their marketing was an insurance client. So at the time I went kind of nuts and I started like branding around insurance and trying to go after insurance companies. And I made that a thing. And, never really took off, but it was like that one trigger just sort of explodes things. And um, that's kind of what's happened with the courses. So I've been able to be pretty consistent with it over the years and um, meet a lot of really cool people that are doing really well in both Udemy and, you know, selling their own courses. So I think a part of it too could be, and I never even really thought about it much growing up, but my father was a, um, was a high school teacher for I think almost 30 years. So he basically that was his life. You know, as far as I can remember, he was always teaching and I would go down and actually watch, um, you know, his students and stuff when I was younger or even older at some points go down to his classroom and he taught history for like seventh or eighth graders. I think it was, you know, that was like the rough age range. So that, that could be somewhat part of it. I mean, um, I know one of the things I've only recently noticed is I've been recording my videos uh, standing now. I kind of set up this, you can see there's like a green screen sort of set up behind me or I don't have the green screen up with the stand and I got some lights and uh, I talk with my hands and that's something yeah. my father does when he talks. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know. I think some of that I've, I probably picked up from him would be my, would be my guess, you know? Yeah. Sometimes we can't escape our genetic destiny. <laughs> yeah. Although I am adopted, so you never, <laughs> you never know. But I think it's just, you know, being around them. I mean, maybe that did it. You know, I, I think um, I get really excited just being able to talk about stuff. And I've gotten a lot more confident being on camera, things like that. Don't jump into these interviews. I know some people are like deathly afraid to even get on video, you know. So uh, just I, a long time. I used to be that way too. I mean, it all just, it just gets better with time. And I think one thing for me making courses is when you see results, like you said, like, whoa, I made $800 by doing X or even just your first course. When you see someone you don't know buy it, there's nothing that just doesn't even get old whenever it happens. Like it's yep. a big motivator and, and, and um, something that encourages me to keep going when I, you know, when those sales happen independent from my hourly work or whatever. So, well, let's, let's talk about Udemy a little bit. I, I've been there for, I don't know, I think three years. I have uh, some free courses. My free WordPress website and the weekend course has like, I think around 10,000 people in it. I used to, I put it there originally to get uh, leads from my web design business, but also just because I was having fun making online courses. Awesome. Um, yeah. I started doing gardening courses with expert around the, experts around the world and, and with my wife. 
We built our own platform, but we also published on Udemy, so we get the best of both worlds. Um, so we have some gardening courses on Udemy, um, which U- Udemy brings the traffic, or they come to our site and bring the traffic. It's just like, let me just double the places where I'm listing it or whatever. So that's kind of my approach, but what, how do you approach Udemy? Like, what, what, are, what do you see as some of the biggest benefits? For me, I, just to say, I think it's, they already have an audience. Um, so that's a big pro. The biggest con is you give up some control and sometimes it can be hard to stand out. But I, I know you can go into a lot more detail about it. What do you, what do you like about Udemy? Yeah, I'd say some of the things I do like are, you know, platforms easy to use. Um, you know, there have been obviously ups and downs, you know, I'm sure if you haven't talked about it already to your audience, there were some big price drops back last year. So that was kind of disheartening. You know, some people just left the platform, even some of the biggest people that I know of. Um, you know, got up and basically walked away. But, you know, I guess the biggest thing was that for me, it was always that I really loved creating content and I didn't really want to worry about marketing it. And that was something Udemy was doing for me. Um, you know, unfortunately, in some ways, I feel like it's sort of, you know, brought it to a level that I would have not wanted it to be, you know, in the sense that they're discounting something that easily could be worth hundreds of dollars, where they're selling it for like $10 or $15. And, the kinds of people that you're going to come in, you know, come in and buy something like this. You know, if I go and buy a course for $10 and I don't watch it, I don't really feel very guilty about it. And I don't really push myself that hard to really go through it and actually consume it and take action on it either. But if I spend a thousand dollars or $500, then I'm like, man, I just, I have to do this and I'm going to follow it. And I'm going to like, you know, I, I put a different precedence on something when it's, when I, it's seen as valued that way. And I think a lot of other people are going to do the exact same thing. So that's probably like a disadvantage, but at the same time, I've seen people, um, you may or may not know him, but there's a guy by the name of Jerry Banfield. He used to be really top instructor on Udemy. He, he got banned for um, doing some stuff he wasn't supposed to with like joint ventures on Udemy, but he, um, he had a ton of courses and he was just making such a flurry of sales every month that even with those high discounts, because of the pure volume of people buying, he could still make, you know, 10 or $20,000 a month. So it's kind of all in perspective, I suppose, you know, like I know that he was doing extremely well and he still does really well with his own website. And I've had other people come to me and say, you know, well, going on Udemy isn't really smart because, you know, they control that pricing and then they diminish the value. But at the same time, you look at someone like Jerry and look at how many sales, just the pure volume of people he's got coming in and buying. And, um, I still get messages all the time from people who I can tell they bought for 15 bucks and they're messaging me, telling me how much they love the course and you know, that they're like, wow, this is like amazing and you know, really helpful stuff. So I guess I've kind of had a little bit of a two way street with it. Um, I think the biggest advantage that I've gotten out of Udemy in all honesty is that not only posting on Udemy has allowed me to build some passive income there, but I've had a lot of people come to me, um, other providers or marketplaces, whether or not how successful they are. Some are obviously like garbage. Um, some will come to me and I had uh, a guy by the name of, um, geez, I can't remember his, his last name is Clark, Matt Clark, I believe it is, uh, who runs amazing.com. And he formerly was selling really high end, like Amazon training. Like this was like three or three or $4,000 training on how to get started on Amazon selling. And they formed this marketplace similar to Skillshare where you come in and it's like $40 a month. And they let me publish four courses. And there's only 
like 180 courses on the whole platform. So it's almost exclusive and they've like not really opened the doors to any new courses. And I've been consistently making another like four or $500 a month from them um, with existing courses that I've had on Udemy for a very long time. So Matt found my Amazon course, the one I mentioned earlier, my story, the $800 one that initially got me that 800 bucks. He found me on, on Udemy, saw that I was teaching a lot of people and then reached out to me personally to come teach on amazing. And, um, obviously that's paid off quite well. You know, it's been many months now, so I've made thousands of dollars off of stuff that I, I don't really have to do any extra marketing. I just give them the content and they're making me extra sales and extra money. Um, I also had a friend who was teaching on Udemy and he made a referral for me. He introduced another company called stack commerce. They run like a series of sites. I'm sure you know who they are. Um, I think they're, I forget all the entity names, but there's like stack skills. The stack commerce is like the main one. And then they've got uh, a couple others, but what they did was they took a bundle of seven of my courses and they priced it really low, like technically lower than Udemy. It was like $19. I think it was. Mm -hmm. and they would take 50% of the sales and they must have blasted this to God knows how many people that first month it made over $10,000 in sales the first month. So I made over $5,000 the first month they put it out there. Um, it took some time to get it out there, but like it kind of goes to show those small sales could really add up. You know, if you get that many people buying this bundle, that's absolutely amazing for $19 and I'm making, you know, nine, $10 off each sale that adds up really fast if you're getting just pure volume. Whereas if I had said, okay, you're, all these courses, you're going to spend 500 bucks to get one of them, you know, sure. I could make $10,000 off a webinar, but it's probably going to be a little more challenging in a way. Um, so that one's kind of dumb, you know, dialed down a little bit. Like it's, they're still sitting out there with the promotion, but it makes me another four or 500 a month. So that one's another one that's just sort of passively earning me. You know, I've got another thousand dollars here between just those two platforms coming in every month without me doing anything. Um, you that's know, awesome. I, yeah. So like that's kind of, those would be probably some of the biggest advantages I would say. And, you know, obviously in some ways this isn't going to be an opportunity everyone could have, but you know, it took a long time in building an audience and building courses people were interested in and really had a, you know, people that would, be really in, intrigued to pick them up and buy them. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely open doors and people will, you know, reach out to you. And obviously people watching your courses, the pure amount of people, they could end up coming to your website. Like you said, building, you know, joining your email list and maybe buying other products from you, whatever the case. So there's just a lot of other opportunities there that, you know, some higher level course folks might overlook, you know, when trying to sell stuff for that 300 to $500 plus price tag. That makes a lot of sense. Well, yeah, I want to kind of unpack some insights out of there. Um, but before I do that, uh, I just wanted to, for the listener, if they're not aware, correct me if I'm wrong, but you did me recent, the price thing they did recently was they forced all the users to reprice their courses to be between like 20 and $50. Is that correct? Yeah. So they made it. So the courses had to be between that price point. And I think the reasoning was that they realized the like over 90% of the courses being sold were being sold at that price point. But I think what happens is it's kind of a perception thing. You know, you see a course that has 2000 people in it, which obviously everybody knows if they're anybody, I mean, not, not everyone's going to know, obviously some buyers won't know, but from a perception standpoint, that looks like a popular course. 
and you see a $200 price tag and you see, wow, I can get it for $15, like 90% plus discount. Like that's an amazing deal. I'm going to get it. But when they diminish these prices, what happened was nobody was buying. And it, like all of my, um, my sales went from, I think I was making, I think it was right before March. I made almost $2,000 in March from Udemy without any of my own marketing. It was purely, you know, their stuff. And then it went down to something like 700. So I basically literally cut my income in more than half. And um, it stayed like that. And then they changed the pricing again. So they didn't open it up quite as wide before you could price your courses at $500. Now they made it so you still have to price them between a bracket. It has to be between, I think, $20 and um, $200. So I actually used to have a course priced at $15 because I knew it wasn't it was just something I was just like, whatever, it's not really super in depth. So I can't even price it at that. It has to be at least 20. Um, so that way they can run their promotions and sell it for 10 they want or 15 and make some money off their own promotions. But um, that's definitely kind of come back up. I'm having a pretty solid month this month. I'm getting close to, I think, I mean, being at it's a little bit more than halfway through the month. It's the 20th. I've made just about $1,500 this month without any outside promotion. So, I mean, it's definitely picking up again. It's just a matter of how it's going to be the rest of the, you know, the remainder of the year. I don't know if it'll slow down again and fall out or November and January, I'd say overall have been, you know, historically for me, the best months, um, November due to the, Black Friday sales and then January for some reason, I think they just run some New Year's stuff. And December, I've historically, this past one, I had a really good one, but the prior two years, it was like really terrible. So it's been kind of on and off, but you know, again, I'm not putting, I'm putting more time into the actual course creation than I am the marketing, which, you know, in a lot of ways is probably not the smartest. I probably should be spending more time in the marketing. And, um, I guess the reason I've always just relied on it was I couldn't figure out how to do it on my own. Like if I throw it out there on my own site, like getting people to that is a whole other ball, you know, it's a whole other ball game really. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, giving up uh, or, or doing it on your own. I mean, yes, now you have full control over the price, the design, you can add other functionality to your site and other things. Um, that's the big trade off is, uh, you know, if you build it, they will not necessarily come. So yeah, <laughs> you didn't give you that, that kind of shortcut to how they call it a marketplace. And just to be clear with everybody listening, there's really kind of three options out there. One is the course marketplace. Like you did me. There's other ones like teachable out there that are like hosted where you set up your course, but you don't really own the site. You're just paying for access to this platform to deliver your course from, but it's not a marketplace where you're surrounded by other courses and other teachers and everything. And then you can do your own from your own website. So there's really like three kind of options out there, but I want to dial it back to something earlier you were talking about, John, which was where you published on Udemy and then amazing.com contacted you. The same thing's happened to me where there's all these other Udemy type places that contact me about my courses and I've experimented with putting stuff on these different platforms. Um, but I think the big takeaway there for the listener out there is that it's really important not to start with the technology, like make your course. Like once you like, don't even think about like Udemy or you're going to host it yourself or teachable or whatever. Um, 
Start by making your course because I see a lot of people get bogged down in the technology before they've made a single lesson. Don, you're obviously like a prolific course creator. Uh, I know you're, you're, one of your niches is you like teaching people how to use various tools and things on the web. Um, so it's not hard for you to create a course. I mean, no, I you, pro- mean you probably even enjoy doing it. Like you like the challenge. Yeah, it's like, a, I mean, you know, in some ways I had someone leave a review the other day and like they could tell in some ways like I've gotten, I don't want to call it completely lazy, but I definitely like, I just kind of wing it. Like I, I've never really had the amount of criticism I would receive in, in, in opposed to people that say really positive things is very minimal, you know, and, you know, some people don't realize how much time you really put into this stuff to, you know, but I try to make it as simple as possible. And I just really try to convey good information. You know, people have to naturally understand, like if I'm going to cough in the video or I say, um, a few times, like that's not worth it, worth it to me to go back and edit all this stuff out. It just it takes too much time where I could be creating more stuff and, you know, teaching something else when really it's such a minute, you know, thing. If it, uh, you know, it was really serious, like I made a total goof, then obviously I find myself redoing something. Um, and I've had that happen plenty of times, even still today, it still happens. But overall, I just, I, I do my editing, like when I do my screen shares, I almost never re-record them. Um, even like I, like I just mentioned um, the beginning of this, we did the Lifter LMS course, you know, we can mention that a little bit later, but I just did a course covering Lifter LMS and in one of the videos I was going through one of the settings and my internet actually went down in the video and I, it wasn't coming up and I thought maybe it was like something in the plugin. And I said, Oh, that's strange. And like, just kind of acted whatever. And then I just ended the video and I didn't edit it out. I was like, you know, whatever, like it's not a big deal. And I just continued the series. And you know, some people might look at that as like, well, he was unprepared or like he's having errors as he's trying to show stuff, but I just don't really make a big deal about it. And you know, most people, they're not really going to care. You know, I still got across what I generally wanted to get across and the information's still good. So that's just kind of how I roll with a lot of it. Um, one thing I will say that I made a huge mistake on and um, I finally have rectified the problem. I think as of today was um, when I first got started, I had my office set up. So I'm in just a little tiny blue room. You know, it's a really small room and Originally, when I was recording, I would sit in my chair here and just record with the webcam just like this. And I would wear, in some cases, like I had band t-shirts on or just a plain shirt like this. And I've had people on Udemy actually message me and say, you know, I didn't buy your course because you didn't look very professional in your video, like in my promotional video or whatever. So when amazing.com actually brought me on, they... Um, told me, you know, they accepted my courses for what they were, but they told me for any new stuff, they wanted me to be dressed really professionally and have this whole setup. So of course I went out and I bought, um, I've actually got two lights in front of me. None of them are on right now. There's the light above me. And then I've got these other light sets behind me that are kind of mobile. They're not plugged in. They use battery. And those, that was like $130. These two were another 60, I think. And then I've got this green screen kit, which was another 60. And I must have, I probably spent at least like 15 hours trying to get this thing working. And I went out and I bought a sport jacket, like new, nice new shirt. You know, here you can see my hair is like done. I'm not just like, like kind of a shaggy mess. So I did all this stuff and then I redid a bunch of videos, sent them to them. And I found out that the quality, when you zoom in, I couldn't get the green screen settings just quite right. That it was coming out like I'd be blurry. So they're criticizing me over that. Um, so I moved my entire desk setup again. So I'm just going to use my wall 
And today in the mail, I just got this little really high-end point-and-shoot uh, Canon G7X. So I got to flip up. I can, you know, for those of you listening on the podcast, it's got a flip up screen so I can record myself. You know, a lot of like popular YouTube vlogger guys will use it. So they're looking at the camera and they can talk. So I made a video with this just today. I just got it in the mail today. And this is like vastly better than the webcam. Um, So I've been struggling a lot with just getting overall quality to come up. But I think that is really important. Like if you're starting out, you know, make sure you're dressed really nice and, you don't have to go crazy investing in all this stuff, but you know, don't have like, I had one of my, that first course I made on Amazon, I was recording it with a band hoodie on and my hair was a mess and I had a cat tree behind me and, and my cat was playing around. So it's like, it just didn't look very professional. You know, here I am teaching and most, I, I never received any bad compliments about it, but it definitely gives off more of a perception to people, you know? So yeah, that's, that's a really good point. I I've, uh, kind of been through a similar journey and it's funny you mentioned the cat in my very first course on Udemy I challenged myself to make a course in a weekend actually and I recorded it in a day and I actually did a cooking course it's on Udemy it's called the it's called the poet omelet method it's perfect omelets every time hmm. and uh, I was just more doing it because I like cooking omelets but mostly because I wanted to figure out this whole online courses Udemy thing I was actually house sitting for somebody. So the kitchen I'm using in the, uh, in the course isn't even where I live. It was a friend's house. They, right. they, they don't even know their houses on the internet, but, uh, you know, their cat was like walking and back and forth in front of the camera, but I just like rolled with it but over time, you know, like I sound really far away in the, cause I wasn't using a mic, but now you can see if you're watching this, I have a professional mic. Um, I'm using the same microphone by the way. Okay. Yeah. This is the ATR. What is it called? The audio technica ATR 2100. I think it is 2100. Yeah. This thing's really awesome. USB mic. Yep. Um, so the sound, the definitely game changer in terms of sound, but also just to what you were talking about. Um, I think there's kind of a spectrum of online course creators. You're really far on that end of like, I'm a serial creator you know, if I make a mistake, kind of move on. I'm kind of the same way. I'm more like that. But there are some people who all they're ever going to have is they're going to have one course. And over time, it's just going to get better and better. They're going to keep polishing it. They're going to burn it down. They're going to rebuild it again. Uh, and that, you know, you just got to figure out where you are. Like, are you, there's nothing wrong with being like a serial course creator. And there's nothing wrong with being hyper-focused on like one specific problem or one th- one method that you teach over and over and over again. Um, so that's, that's really cool. Um, well, let's get into the, the free course on a, on a marketplace situation. Like I mentioned before, I've done it with, um, uh, to just build for practice. I've done free courses for practice to build the email list, um, to, to just, if I have like the gardening project I mentioned, I, I put courses on Udemy just for uh, different letting other people's marketing, like the Udemy, Udemy company, uh, bring in traffic and convert it. And yeah, sometimes they package my courses inside of their sales and everything. And it really drives the price down, but I don't really care because those are customers who may never have found me over at my website. Yep. But what, what do you do with your, free courses. 
So I could lay out, I just thought of all the ways that I, it's benefited me. I could give you four different ways, and some of you guys probably listening would have never even thought of this stuff. So the first would be, um, I'll give you the, the simple common sense stuff. The first is that you're going to get a whole bunch of new students, especially on Udemy, if you make it free. Um, so a lot of people are just natively going to find that. Um, the one disadvantage about that with the free stuff is that if you make it free and people leave bad reviews and you get an average of under 4.0, then they will hide it from the search engine now, which is something, unfortunately, I have had happen with a couple of courses because some people come in and just leave like these one or two star reviews and they don't write anything. So I have no idea. Like I can't even try to really rectify the problem. And they, of course, hide it from Udemy search. So you can then make it a paid course. But obviously, if I made it free, it's usually not something I felt like I wanted to charge for in the first place. So I have done that with a couple of courses and, you know, they, they will make a few sales here and there, but it's pretty nominal. But ultimately that first one would be, you get a little bit more of an audience. The second thing would be, um, you can set up what's called a bonus module inside of the Udemy course. And what you can do with that bonus module is specifically send people to your website or a blog post, something that's more useful. Obviously you can't be really spammy in the way you do it. But what I did was I made a bonus video on all of my courses that basically invites people to come check out a free video series. And the video series shows them how I made my first thousand dollars by freelancing on a platform called Upwork. So that's really intriguing. You know, someone watches my course and then they're like, Oh wow, that sounds really cool. They head over to the site and that video course is actually an evergreen system. We could maybe get into this later if we have time, but it's an evergreen system to sell them one of my courses for $200 and it brings them through a webinar that's all automated and everything's all set up and ready to go. So that's one piece I have going there with the bonus video. And of course you could do anything you want there. You could send them to a blog post or something of value, but ultimately you probably want to get them on a mailing list. And then um, <clears throat> the third would be you could set up, uh, you know, affiliate links inside your course. You have to be careful about this. Again, that bonus section could technically be that maybe you throw in a bonus video where you talk about a product. Um, one thing that I've sort of been doing, like I'll give an example was I just made a course about lift your LMS and you guys have an affiliate program through share a sale. So I'll get the course approved on Udemy and then I'll go back and maybe throw, you know, an affiliate link inside the course. Um, you can add a add link like reference to a video. So I'll probably throw that in on a couple of the videos, maybe the introduction or the conclusion or any video where I mention it. And then, um, that's a good way that you're going to potentially drive some sales. I've made about $800 from a product called thrive themes by just including affiliate links across a lot of those courses, I have one where I talk about landing page builders and I compare a ton of them. And then I kind of break it down at the end and say Thrive Themes is one of my favorites. And this is why I recommend it. And it's almost like I'm doing an extensive product review inside of the course. And then at the end of that, they can go and, you know, pick up the course, pick up the product through me and I'll make a nice commission. So I've made about 800 bucks doing that. And then, um, the last one, which is, this is probably the most unique one. And you guys probably would have never thought of this one. People love this. And I just taught this on a webinar. I'll just kind of break it down really simple is I made a free course on how to set up a Google, my business page, which is something that's extremely easy to do. Anybody could go in and actually go through that and understand how to do it. It's like really common sense kind of stuff, but there's a few little tweaks you can do, like maybe doing some stuff with photos, or I threw in some bonus tips on how to get more reviews for a business owner. So what I've actually been doing is um, one of my big courses and one of the things I've spent a lot of time on over the last few years is SEO and helping local businesses. So I actually made this free course 
and I put it on Skillshare is free. And what I do is when I send out my proposals on um, a platform called Upwork is what will happen is I'll send them a link to the free Skillshare course. I'll say, hey, I put together this free course. Um, check out what I've done. And they're basically watching this video of me where I'm teaching them how to set up Google My Business. And it's like I'm building trust with them. They're not really talking to me on the phone. They're watching me on the screen and on video. And they'll come back and say, wow, that was really helpful. And now they feel a lot more confident and feeling like they can hire me. Um, it's built a little bit of a relationship already. And, you know, I've closed a whole ton of either consulting calls where I'm just basically people drilling me for advice. I had a guy pay me 50 bucks for an hour once. And I have another client that I convinced through it that I've been working with now for, it's probably going on like seven, eight months. And I probably made, uh, it's gotta be close to like $5,000 from this one client. Now, um, I have them up to 850 bucks a month now on a contract. And I initially landed that contract because I sent them that free Google, my business course. And he realized like, wow, this guy knows what he's doing. So that's a really unique way that you could utilize a free course. Um, I would say one other way too, I thought of is maybe you have a topic that is like really big. So let's say I wanted to teach someone how to start an SEO consulting business. That's actually one of my courses. Um, it's really long. It's like 10 hours. Maybe I can make another course where I show them like one way to go out there and get clients. So in exchange, the idea would be maybe you throw that out there as a free course that drives some interest. You could kind of consider it a mini course. Maybe it's 30 minutes, shows them like one specific method and fixes that one pain. You could then kind of bring them into your bigger solution, which then solves all the pains, you know, kind of a well-rounded solution to everything else. So you could use that as a way to get people just generally interested in the topic and interested in learning more like, wow, this stuff is free and it's really good. Imagine what his paid stuff is, you know, that that kind of mentality. So that would probably be the biggest advantages I would say with free courses. But I know a lot of people, they look at it. I've talked to some other like Skillshare instructors. I know one who's done over hundred courses on Skillshare and he's like, I've never done a free course. But um, those are some ways that I've been utilizing them as of recently. That's awesome. Well, John is like a cornucopia of experience and wisdom here. Go check him out at noshameincome.com. Uh, I wanted to ask you a few more questions, John, in terms of um, creating courses around other products. I find it really fascinating because it appears to me uh, that oftentimes the best teacher about a software tool or some kind of marketing method or sales method or even outside of business, like health method or whatever, it may not, it's like a different person than the person who created the original product. Like it's a different company. Like you mentioned uh, the Thrive themes and the Thrive Builder and all that stuff. Yep. Just made a course for Literal LMS, which is awesome. And we really appreciate that. Um, but where do, where do you think that comes from? Like why don't companies themselves make the, the kind of train, the best training? It just seems to be a trend. I mean, if you look for like, I don't know if you use ScreenFlow. I'm a Mac guy. Maybe you use Camtasia. So the same thing. But like the, the people who teach ScreenFlow don't work at ScreenFlow. The people that teach like how to use Scrivener for the uh, writing a book, the best courses are taught by individuals who built their own businesses around education, around software. Like, why do you think that happens? I don't know. You know, it is interesting to look at it that way. I mean, I think it's one of those things too. And sometimes I have to realize it. like someone was just watching a video series or a webinar I put together and 
course, they're completely kind of cold coming into this and they gave me some really critical feedback that they felt like it wasn't that valuable. But for someone that maybe was like really interested in kind of what um, I coined this from, this is something Scott Oldford, he does a lot of lead gen type stuff. He calls it like the slow lane, the fast lane. And then I think he's got another one. Um, it's like kind of like a path of where someone is, whether or not their interest is. So when you kind of think about um, when we were doing some teaching, you know, I may be at a different level where someone else is. But, you know, if you're already kind of involved in something, it might be a little harder to step back and think, man, where was I five years ago? And I didn't know any of this stuff. So sometimes it can be a little hard to differentiate, like, the difference, you know, when you already are so involved and already know something about this. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's definitely interesting. I know that a lot of these, you know, companies, if they're going to do training videos, it's people that work there. And I think you were saying, too, when we spoke the other day, you were saying, um, you know, me teaching it, it's like, I think you were saying it's just a little more difficult because you're so involved in it and you know it really well. It might be a little different than someone coming in from the outside and, you know, throwing their perspective at it, which I'm sure, you know, the stuff you're going to do is probably going to be much higher quality in terms of the information because you're the one who made it and designed it in, in a sense, you know, everything about it. Whereas me coming in, I'm like, kind of like, Hey, not really sure what this feature does, but you know, I'm, you know, and all, all, a lot of it, obviously with your particular tool is like, basic features I knew what they were and understood, but there's certain things that I was kind of like, eh, I'm not sure, you know, so it all depends. And I, I don't know, you know, it's definitely an interesting one to think about, I suppose. Yeah. I think, I think one thing too is like, uh, like a product company is often like looking to the future or whatever. They're like, where are we going next? Not, it's like a totally different mindset than like to teach, teach a tool. Um, or focus on, like you said, that user who's just not as familiar. Um, you kind of forget what the beginner's mind is like for the, the, the new person coming into the tool. Well, that's awesome. Well, John, I really appreciate you sharing with the audience everything that you've been up to. You're kind of weighing the pros and cons of uh, the Udemy course marketplaces. Um, versus like the self-hosted do you have any other parting thoughts that you'd like to leave the listener if they're trying to decide between the two or do both or yeah i mean what i've kind of so something i realized a few years ago was um you know and i just watched um someone by the name of david segment garland he used to run a podcast and he was actually the one who got me interested in podcasting in the first place was he started doing online courses and i remember um, i was watching one of his training videos and he talked about how he was going to price a course at 97 dollars and he ended up basically um, talking with people about that and determining, you know, the stuff he was teaching was stuff that took him years to realize how to basically learn how to do these things, the things he was teaching. It took him a lot of time. So he decided to price it at four ninety seven, based on that. And he's now like doing millions with online course sales and he teaches people how to create online courses. So I've actually going, been going through his content and it's really amazing the way that he set these things up. He's, utilizing a lot more value-based and just sort of scarcity tactics and getting people really just sort of pumped up about the types of um, products and content he's creating. Like he's got a few flagship courses that he really wouldn't sell much of anything for probably under $200. And um, a lot of the stuff I've been going through, you know, he's just focused really heavily on just making something that's really high quality. And then at the same time, putting some effort into marketing. So, I mean, I guess what I would probably recommend is that you know, don't necessarily steer clear of Udemy and Skillshare, but I've been suffering some problems because I've actually done webinars where I'm selling one of my Udemy courses and I'm trying to get a premium price for it, like $300. And 
we've seen people come in on the webinars and say, well, why would I do buy, buy this one when I could go get it on Udemy for $15? And it's just completely kind of ruining the situation. Of course, it's a different name. So a lot of people won't know that that's really the case, but some people are able to figure out, okay, he teaches on Udemy. Of course, he's got the course over there. So that has actually been somewhat of a disadvantage. I may look at it like, you know, maybe for your really big high-end flagship courses, might not be the best idea to put it on Udemy because if you really want to get that premium high ticket price for it and you're determined to do everything in your power, you know, learn how to run Facebook ads, get the marketing down, um, build a little video series, get people hyped up about it, then um, I really would probably at this point, I'm trying to move away from Udemy and really just crack that code on getting your own marketing down. And you could use tools like Lifter LMS or any of these platforms out there to do that. Um, that's the way that I'm kind of moving into the future right now. Yeah. And just to add one more note on that, another strategy I see people implement is their big premium thing. They self-host it, but maybe some of their, you know, not every lead magnet or, you know, opt-in bribe or whatever you want to call it is necessarily like a free ebook. It could be a free course. It could even be a, a lower price paid course. So, uh, you know, you can kind of reap, I would encourage people to reap the best of both worlds. Like get some, you know, publish some stuff on Udemy that gets your personal brand and your business brand and your expertise out there and leverages their audience. But I also always recommend people, you know, especially even from the beginning, start thinking about what's that high end, what's my flagship, like what's my main premium offering. And that's something you don't want to, you kind of want to maintain control of, but you can have all these outposts around the internet. You can have your free course videos on YouTube. You can put it on Skillshare. You can put it on Udemy. You can put it on Facebook. You can put it all over the place. Um, but that, yeah, when it comes to time for the, for the premium course, you're probably going to want to end up owning that because it would have been a real shocker if, um, like you had just published a really expensive course on Udemy and then they enforce the pricing controls or um, they technically don't give you the email list of the people taking your courses. You can contact them, but there's all these rules around how, yeah. how you contact them and your, your, your own students and stuff like that. So it's not all bad, and, but there's a, definitely a place uh, when you're debating between a course marketplace or self-hosted to think about. For sure. So... Well, I want to thank you for coming on the show, John. Where else Where else can people go to find out more about you and connect with you? If you uh, head over to my blog, I've got a blog called noshameincome.com. And I just kind of, I, I don't post as much as I'd like to, but I've got like income reports and you can kind of learn a lot about what I'm doing. Check out some of my courses over there. Um, kind of see a lot of the things I'm doing. And if you just search my name, um, Skillshare or Udemy, you'll be able to find a lot of my courses that way too. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on the show, John. Awesome. Thanks for having me.